So let's do a quick review before we begin. Yesterday, we discovered more about brain hacking and addiction coding. Experts shared with us, and and high-level insiders in the tech industry shared with us that the tech industry lives, eats, and sleeps how they can get us addicted to our devices and our online experiences. Silicon Valley is after us being on our screens or on their apps, on their websites, so they can sell our eyeballs to advertisers. We found that the user interface of every app we use is designed to juice the pleasure centers of the mind. Of course, this leads to addiction. And it's left to us, we discovered, to protect our minds and the minds of our children. So we're going to now start looking specifically at social media. We've looked at a lot of media. We've talked a little bit here and there about social media. And this section will entitle Social Media Disconnect. Now, what is social media? Let's start by defining it. Social media is the social interaction among people in which they create, share, or exchange information and ideas in virtual communities and networks. So whenever we say social media, we're talking about what happens to, uh, uh, in socially on, online and in different networking communities. It's the virtual world. It's a virtual community. It's not indeed a community like we would normally think, and we're going to bear that out today. There's sites like Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, Pinterest, Instagram, Snapchat, LinkedIn, and a plethora of others. There are so many different social networking sites out there, but these are the top ones that we have looked at some and we will look at uh, today. So how much time do we as Americans spend on these sites, you'll be pretty amazed. Americans spend 74 billion minutes on social media via a home computer, 40.8 billion minutes via apps, 5.7 billion minutes via mobile web browsers, for a total of 121.1 billion minutes on social networking sites. You have to understand, This is just in America in one year. Let's put that into perspective, though. That's equal to two billion hours. But what does that mean? That means 84 million days. That translates to 230, 365,000 years. Every year. So what we're saying is that we are spending a lot of time on social media websites as an American people. And in some countries it's higher, in some countries it's lower. Now, what amazes me is if we were to think about that amount of time, over 230,000 years, what if we took that time and that energy and actually did something in our actual communities? Amen? What would happen to this country and around the world if we put even half of this amount of energy into our actual communities that we live and breathe in? But no, we spend 230,000 years 
a year in time in virtual communities? And are they building up our communities as a whole? So how much time, let me ask a very pointed question. How much time are you spending, or should I say perhaps even wasting, on social media? Now, everything we do on social media is not necessarily a waste. I mean, we, at, at our ministry, we do have a Facebook uh, account and uh, a page, and we are putting out there what the Lord's doing in the ministry, encouraging people. So there are good uses, of course, to the media. But the challenge is a lot of us are just wasting a bunch of time. And then we don't have time to do the more important things in our life, right? Maybe it's time to reassess. To just step back. And there are people doing this now around the country and around the world. And we will look into a little bit of that. They're starting to wake up and go, whoa, wait a second. How come this is running my life? If anything, I need to learn how to run it. So it doesn't run me. According to a study referenced in an article, is the connection generation actually the alienated generation? It says that nearly 40% of Americans spend more time socially socializing via the internet than in real life. That's, that's approaching half of our brothers and sisters are spending more time socializing online than in face-to-face -face communication. And this trend is going to only increase, my friends, if we're not careful. Social media has the potential to make us less social. social and indeed, the studies are revealing that. It's a surrogate for the real thing. It's a surrogate. It's a cheap surrogate, frankly, for real face-to-face -face communion. For it to be truly effective, a truly effective communication vehicle, all parties bear a responsibility to be genuine and accurate and not allow it to replace human contact altogether. And friends, if you think what you're seeing on the internet and on social media is genuine and accurate, you are sadly mistaken. And I will give you some examples as we progress, and tomorrow as well. So, further, because most communication is now done via emails, text, instant messaging, the potential for misinterpretation is growing. Have you ever had that happen? You know, when you're talking face-to-face -face with someone, you can read their face, you can read their expressions, you can see how they're reacting to what you say, and then you might modify what you said, right? Or, or re-explain it in a different way so as to maybe not hurt their feelings or so there's not a misunderstanding. The problem with this at arm's length, even worse than that, at the world's length, you know, way far away, this kind of communication, is that there's no context for which we're saying these things. So this is why they came out with emoticons, and they're called emojis by short today. And these emojis, so if I'm just kidding with you, I better put an emoji so you can figure out I'm kidding with you. Because you can't read my face or my body language, right? So we have to be careful because this is what's happening in social media. There's a lot of misunderstanding. Because it's a lower form, even though it's high tech, it's a lower form of communication. So when someone writes a text in all capital letters, does that mean that they're yelling? Some people say yes. Some people go, they're just trying to make a point. I don't know. I don't know. 
What's the context, right? Are one or two word responses a sign that the person doesn't want to engage? Yeah, sure, okay. Nah. Maybe, right? We don't know. Why? Because we're not face to face. On the flip side, does a smiley face mean an acknowledgement of agreement or is somebody just happy? Right? Yeah, we have some issues here, don't we? <laughs> Conclusions are drawn on frighteningly little bits of information. As global citizens, we must find a way to take advantage of all the amazing benefits of our technology-enabled world while ensuring that we are not losing touch with the most important relationships we have in our lives. Unfortunately, the research and studies are starting to paint a picture that's pretty gloomy. Here's a funny little anecdote that was sent to me by a friend. It said, We had a power outage at my place on Saturday morning, and my PC, my laptop, my TV, my DVD, my iPad, and my new surround sound music system were all shut down. And then I discovered my iPhone battery was flat. I couldn't access my work email network, and to top it off, it was a rainy day outside, so I couldn't go outside. I went into the kitchen to make coffee, and then I remembered that this also needs power. So I talked with my wife for an hour. She seems like a nice person. <laughs> Isn't that a telling little tale, right? As silly as that is, sadly, I think that it's the reality in many homes. Couples and even entire families are disconnected from each other because everyone is hyper-connected to their tech. We could sit in the same room, but all be on different devices, having different experiences, and not orienting one with the other. And this is now family time because we, sh we cohabitate in the same space. What a cheap replacement for good old solid face-to-face -face communion with each other. So let's look at social media's impact on us, okay? While social media platforms definitely have their benefits, and they do, using them too frequently can make you feel increasingly unhappy and isolated in the long run. The constant barrage of perfectly filtered photos that appear on Instagram are bound to knock many people's self-esteem low. While we obsessively check our Twitter feed just before we go to bed could be contributing towards our poor quality of sleep. So we're going to look at six ways that social media could be negatively affecting your mental health without you even re realizing it. First of all, it can radically assault self-image. Now, what I mean by self, I'm not talking like a pop psychology version of that. What this means is like, who am I in Christ? And who has He made me to be? And do I have value in His eyes? Yes, so much so that He died for me, right? Amen. We all have our fair share of insecurities. We all struggle, you know. Some that we speak about they may speak about their struggles openly, and others prefer to keep it to themselves. However, here's what happens. 
we compare ourselves to others on social media by stalking their aesthetically perfect Instagram photos or staying, uh, staying up to date with their relationship status on Facebook. And, and unfortunately, this starts to bring in these thoughts of, well, I'm not that pretty. Well, I, I don't have that kind of relationship. And unfortunately, all it does is increase these feelings of self-doubt and for some, self-loathing. A study conducted by the University of Copenhagen found that many people suffer from, and this is what they call it, Facebook envy. With those who abstained from using the popular site reporting, they felt more satisfied with their lives. So they had this study where they separated people and they said, look, you know what? Let's separate some people. Let's see those who are on uh, social media, specifically on Facebook, and let's separate some people for a while. And, and let's have them... Let's see what the results are. So the people that were off Facebook for just a short time actually felt happier about their lives. Why? They're not constantly comparing it with a life that they just probably are not going to have. Seriously, have you thought about that? We'll look at that a little bit tomorrow. Social media can cause us to become very dissatisfied with our lives. Dr. Tim Bono, author of when likes aren't enough, explain, when we derive a sense of worth based on how we are doing relative to others, we place our happiness in a variable that is completely beyond our control. Do you see how dangerous that is? So if I'm trying to, to, to figure out where my happiness is going to be based on that of the lives of others, by the way, which is they're not really showing you the real life they live. And we think that they are, when, when half of everybody we know, it's more than half actually, the statistics tell us, they're faking it and they're presenting like what they call like who they really would like to be version of themselves. Right? I got some crazy examples of that we'll look at tomorrow. So, social media makes it easy to compare our lives with others. And that's not good for our mental health. Because frankly, my friends, the standards are always changing. What's hip today and you finally catch up is now not hip anymore, right? Here's the trick, by the way. If you want to stay current and hip, just keep all of your old clothing for generations and they always come back around. As humans, we cannot help being somewhat competitive. It, it's in, I think, many of our natures. We tend to judge ourselves by comparing our lives with other people's lives. Think about our poor daughters who are trying to keep up with the Kardashians. Who have teams, by the way, these, these families and these models have teams of professional makeup artists and wardrobe stylists sculpting them into the perfect versions of themselves while our little girls are sitting at home with a little bit of makeup and, and a little bit of hairspray trying to make themselves look like a superstar. What does this do? It breeds discontent. It breeds even self-loathing. There's some serious stuff going on when it comes to self-image. Some major concerns we need to look at. We will never look like them. In fact, they don't even look like themselves unless they have those high-paid people making it happen. Have you ever seen 
when, when somebody just shows up before they have their makeup done, any of these celebrities or these stars, and they show up, you're like, wow, they look real normal. And then by the time they're done with the hair, the makeup, the outfit, and the perfect lighting, you're like, wow, that guy's a really handsome dude. Or wow, she's a beautiful lady. But before, you're like, wow, she got blotchy skin just like me. That's the point. Nobody's posting that, look how jacked up I look today. They're just not doing that. But the problem is, I may be having a messed up life today, and I'm looking at everybody else's perfect pictures, and it breeds this discontent. There must be something wrong with me. The result is that we're comparing ourselves to highly polished people or versions of a moment in someone else's digital, virtual life, which can lead to those low feelings we talked about. The latest research by the Disability Charity Scope found that, and we're talking about self-image, 60% felt jealous of their peers on social media. So 60% of young people are jealous of what they see in their friends' lives on social media. 62% felt isolated. So if I lined up 10 young people and, it's, and the numbers are staggeringly close for adults as well, not just young people. If I lined up 10 people right here, six of them would say, when I'm on social media, I'm jealous and I feel isolated. So that's a majority. That's, that's a problem, don't you think? So be it on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram, using social media extensively can actually increase your loneliness. And loneliness can even lead to depression or even worse. Interestingly enough, people with low self-esteem, they found, tend to be more active on social media. So you already suffer from low self-esteem. It's kind of like listening to sad music when you're sad. What's it going to do? It's going to increase your sadness, right? The happy Alternative would be, I'm sad, I'm going to listen to some happy music. Why? It can help lift me out of a pit of despair if I'm going to use music as my remedy. Of course, running to Christ is the best remedy ever. So, if you are having a struggle with your self-image, well, I don't, I don't really know if I'm having a struggle with my self-image. Uh, yeah, don't. Uh, then don't go on social media. It's only going to increase that problem. Right? What would be the antidote to that? Why don't you go and sit with somebody that you know loves you and believes in you and wants to help lift you up and help you across your trials? First run to Christ. Then go to a pastor or a mother or a father. But we don't do that. We run to this virtual fake world to find our self-worth. Mm. 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 <clears throat> They use social media, those who have low self-esteem, mostly for, specifically, self-promotion. But sometimes they don't get the likes or the positive feedback. They don't go viral, and so they slip deeper into reclusive behavior and retreat back into their own loneliness, and so goes the cycle. There's no way out of it unless you break free from it. The National Health Service in the UK 
has identified an alarming trend among girls. Listen up. This is scary. Related to social media use, they attribute stress and social media with a 68% increase in hospital admissions for self-harming behaviors in girls and a 26 increase for boys. So we have a, we have a 68% increase and a 26% increase. But what scares me is that nearly 70% of our young girls are starting to physically hurt themselves because of social media. They're cutting themselves. I just talked to a girl this past weekend when I was in California at a different camp meeting. And you know what? She and I talked the year before, and we talked a couple times throughout the year, and she had some very unfortunate things happen to her. I tell people my story. When I give my testimony, sometimes people come out of the woodwork because I was abused, neglected, molested, beaten, whipped, tied up, all kinds of stuff when I was a child. Horrible childhood. And so when I tell my testimony and how Christ delivered me from all of that and made me a servant of His, people get encouraged, but they also want to talk, right? So this young, young girl come to me. Uh, she was 15 last year. And she said, I really need to talk to you. I've seen your testimony. And so we, we etched out some time. And she started to tell me how that a relative of hers had molested her for two years straight when she was starting to become a young woman. And this started to mess with her mind. And then I told her some things she needed to do with some people she needed to talk to and a phone number she needed to call. It resulted in, praise God, an arrest of this family member. Amen! How many told my wife this story? I forgot to tell you, sweetheart. Praise the Lord. This young sister Jay has had some movement in her life. But then she confessed to me. But I'm still cutting. She grabs a knife or a razor blade and she cuts herself where other people can't see it. And so we sat down and we talked about it. And I did talk to her about being careful to be online and looking at everybody else's life, thinking everybody else is perfect and you're the only one that has these problems, which is a bunch of baloney. And as a result, we sat there, we talked, she saw what I was saying, she understood, she's going to call me when she needs to, and she's go, she, she made a dec I told you, you make a decision right now. You don't cut yourself. I love you. Your grandmother loves you. Your other family members love you. That one person that was doing that to you, that person didn't. But we do. And you have tremendous value. So, she's in that situation. Now understand that that terrible thing that happened to her started the ball rolling, right? But now she sees all these other people that have these perfect lives online and it beats her down more. Do you see the problem? Second area of concern with social media's impact on our lives is in our human connection. As human beings, it's so important for us to be able to communicate and forge a personal connection with one another. However, it can be hard to do so when we're glued to little rectangular screens, becoming more acquainted with our friend's digital facade rather than their real-life persona. New research discovered one in three Americans, so that's 33% roughly, say they are more likely to meet someone new online than in the real world now. That means... A third of us, a hundred million, over a hundred million, about 115 million Americans say, you know what? 
I meet new people online more than I do face-to-face. That's a problem. In another article entitled Well Connected, or no, excuse me, Well Connected, several reports are cited. A decline in face-to-face contact, what they say. This has identified a dramatic decline in hours per day of face-to-face social interaction as the use of electronic media dramatically increased. So here's a graph. And as you will see, as our, our electronic media use increased, now this is over a 20-year period from 2007, uh, excuse me, uh, 2000, uh, 1987 to 2007, a 20-year period, as our electronic media use increased, guess what happened? Our social interaction face-to-face decreased in almost equal proportion. Look at that. So what this is saying is the more time we spend on social media in the virtual community, we are neglecting the actual community. Right? Is anybody awake? Alright, praise the Lord. You know, with the bright lights you can't see, but a bunch of blobs sitting there trying to see your faces. Praise the Lord, there's the smiles. Amen. I know this is heavy stuff. You know, but I love you enough to tell you. God loved me enough to tell me, right? Amen. Social scientists recently reported that in less than two decades, the number of people saying there is no one with whom they discuss important matters nearly tripled. They don't have those confidants anymore. The numbers of both kin and non-kin kin confidence is described as dramatically smaller. We don't have our confidants anymore like we used to. So this socially empty surface level connection, it's gutting us of the very thing that God wants us to help. God says, do not forsake the gathering together of yourself. And the devil's saying, oh, I figured out a way to where they don't even want to hang out with each other anymore. You ever see it like that? God says, come together. And the devil goes, I'll make them think they're coming together, but they're losing the skills to come together. Man, it's almost like the devil knows what he's doing. The report also said, and this breaks my heart, couples now spend less time in one another's company and more time at work, commuting, or in the same house, but in separate rooms using different electronic media devices. And parents are spending less time with their children than they did only a short decade ago. Another concern is anxiety due to FOMO. Anybody knows what FOMO is? It's a very popular term in the social media world, the online world. It means fear of missing out. This is like a big thing. FOMO. It's where people feel that others are having fun without them. Stina Sanders, a former model who has 107,000 followers on Instagram, explained how social media sometimes makes her feel like she's being left out. Here's what she says. I know from my experience, I can get FOMO, fear of missing out, when I see my friend's photos of a party I didn't go to. And this, in turn, can make me feel quite lonely and anxious. So here's this beautiful supermodel who's saying, I get upset and I feel lonely. Why? Because she's seeing what everybody else is doing before you didn't hardly know what everybody else was doing, right? And it was a blessing It was a blessing. 
as a preacher of present truth, as a man that wants to share the three angels' message in the gospel of Jesus Christ with the world, I can't go on Facebook and just peruse because I see what God's people are doing. And it reinforces in my mind, all we like sheep have gone astray. I don't need that omnipresence, amen? There's one that can handle it, and His name is God. And I have figured out, I am not He. People report experiencing anxiety because they don't feel smart enough or as interesting as or as successful as others, which keeps them engaging from engaging in person. So because they feel inadequate online, because they're seeing this and that and everything, and I possibly can't do all this and look at my success and look at my new suit, and blah, 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 blah. They say to themselves, you know what? I, I'm just going to recoil. So then they suffer because they're not even having the face-to-face -face interaction anymore. They recoil from all of it because they are equal, equating in their mind the virtual with the real. A study published in the American Journal of Epidemiology that assessed 5,208 subjects concluded overall regular use of Facebook had a negative impact on an individual's well-being. Now, this is not someone that's trying to tear down Facebook or social media. They're saying, let's look at the statistics. Let's look at the numbers. Let's study the lives of over 5,208 people and let's see how this is impacting them and their conclusions. It's going to mess with your well-being. That, to me, is very significant. You see, what social media does is it establishes a false sense of being social. Follow me for a moment. It's a false sense of being social. Although using social media may appear to connect you with other people, it's actually a solitary activity, not a social activity. It's a solitary activity with you and your device. And you think you're accessing socially all these other people. The reality is, friends, true socialism, not in the way of like, you know, communism, but being socialized happens face to face. And this is a cheap virtual replacement. Facebook, Twitter, and the like, they simulate social interaction, but the result can be one of loneliness. People who use social media throughout the day tend to become more sad or feel more disconnected from people in their real lives. Social media platforms track the number of connections that you have and in most cases display this number publicly. So, you know what? I've, I don't know where I'm up now, but my numbers are silly. I've got over 10,000 friends. I think it's 14,000 or something now. I don't have 14,000 friends. Are you kidding me? How could you even keep track of 14,000 friends? Oh, by the way, you can't. 14,000 and, and something like 4,000 something on the other page. There's no way to keep track of that many people, but they're called friends. And, and some of them are but most of them aren't. But we say we have 14,000 friends, but why do I feel so empty? How come nobody's coming to rescue me and coming to my aid? Because it's only those that are really in your life, that really love you, and really care about what's going on in your life, that make a difference in your life. 
That's why. So we have these, this way on social media to collect more friends, to collect more connections, so they say, and the number of connections becomes like a status symbol. I got kind of t- sucked into this a while, a number of years ago. I'm like, well, I've got 5,000 friends. Well, 5,000 people like me. You see, there could be a problem with that. Of course, there's a major problem with that. Because you look up some of the other preachers and you go, oh, wow, he has 7,000 people that like him. I must not be as good a preacher as he is. You don't think that everybody struggles? We all do. But we need to be aware of it and go, you know what? This is a false statistic that appears to be something tangible, and it's not. Because frankly, the only one that I need to make proud is God my Father. Amen? Because in Him I have my self-worth. In Him I have the true value of my soul in so much that He died to save me. He gave His life to save mine. That gives me tremendous, tremendous intrinsic value to Him. I don't need a social media platform to tell me if I'm valuable or not. Having friends on social media, however, is not the same as having friends in real life. But the problem is, often those who have many connections on social media can actually lead a more antisocial existence because they have bought into the fact that they have a social life. Are you following this? Okay, good. So there's more to keep up with. There's more excitement and enticement to spend additional time with social media because now that's what social, being socialized is. No, friends. It's a cheap replacement for true face-to-face communion. And the more time spent on social media, the more time it takes communicating in person, it makes it much more difficult. Because the way we communicate online is vastly different than looking someone in the eye and communicating with them. This is now becoming one of the lost arts in our time. Just face-to-face communion. It's a lost art. So we need to be careful how we allow social media to replace face-to-face human connection. Number three, looking at social media's impact on us. Number three, first we had self-image, human connection, and now memories. So let's look at social media's impact on our memories. Social media can be a great way, and it is, it's fun, to look back on memories and recount how past events occurred, right? And if you have a Facebook account, you understand. You can go, oh, wow, that's right, I forgot about that. Oh, it's akin to looking through a photo album, in a sense. However, it can also distort the way in which you remember certain events in your life. Many of us are, guilt, are guilty of spending far, much, far too much time trying to take the perfect photo or video of a, a visual marvel or some event that's happening to us right then and there, all the while, we are not actually absorbing firsthand the experience and witnessing it for ourselves and coming to impressions and thoughts with our own two eyes because many of us now are living our lives through this little screen. And the whole world's there. That event is happening. And, oh, okay, okay, look, oh, 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 yeah, uh, uh, and we're so concerned with capturing it that we don't capture it. 
You follow what I'm saying? It doesn't become part of me. It's not one of my memories now. No, I'm capturing it so everybody else can look at it, and it's not going to make a memory for them. It's just another thing to look at in the list of a thousand things to look at today. So what it does is we put so much out there that nothing is important anymore. You know, you used to grab the camera, the actual physical camera, when there was an important event, right? Right. And what will we do? We take some photos of the event and we continue on with enjoying the event. But now we feel like we're documentarians. We have to document everything. I've been guilty of this. I have a video production background. I think in pictures many times. I'm asking God to just let me enjoy life. <laughs> let me just enjoy it. I don't need to look through the camera. Oh, that's a good angle. Well, I wouldn't do it that way. Oh, you know, Come on. Enjoy the, the scenery. But we're too wrapped up in this idea that if I don't get this out there, I'm not being social when I am not engaged in the actual social event right in front of me. <laughs> How is this happening? Isn't this crazy? It is crazy. Many miss out on important moments because they are, like I mentioned, they are ironically distracted trying to share those moments on social media. Incredible. So let's become aware of this. Let's see if we're, any of us are struggling with these problems. In, and, and we need to embrace and experience life for ourselves when it happens, building lasting memories that are just for you and your loved ones. The whole rest of the world doesn't need to know. Save something for yourself. Number four, we got a jam because I am on 21 of 70. I got 34 minutes, so I'm going to start speaking fast. Social media can negatively impact our sleep. Having enough sleep is of paramount importance, of course. However, many of us use our phones in bed, making it harder to doze off. Dr. Bono explains, getting worked up with anxiety or envy from what we see on social media keeps the brain on high alert, preventing us from falling asleep. He continues, Plus, the light from our mobile device, just inches from our face, can suppress the release of melatonin, a hormone that helps us feel tired. So that little blue light that's on your phone, and, and even bright light, it's going to reset your circadian rhythm, and you're not going to sleep as well. Attention span. It's not just your subconscious brain that we need to be worried about but also the extent to which your brain is fully able to concentrate throughout the day. What they're finding is all this instant gratification is causing problems with our attention span. And while it's crazy to consider just how much information we have at our fingertips on the net and on social media, we have to be careful because it's far easier to become distracted. Social media has provided means of constantly giving into the temptation of instant, easy access entertainment. Students seem to struggle more than most. Students become victims of social networks more often than anyone else. And I would say that's probably because they are on it more than anyone else. When they are studying or searching their course material online, they get attracted to these sites to kill the boredom in their study time, diverting their attention from their work resulting in reduced learning and research capabilities. 
You see, now it's so easy to find information that young people don't even know you need to vet the information. They don't know how to research anymore. So they're losing these research capabilities. Multitasking, we talked about that, frankly, being a facade uh, yesterday. It reduces command over language use and creative skill writing. The more time students spend on social media site, sites, the less time they tend to spend socializing in person and with others. And this reduces communication skills, hurting their ability to communicate and socialize effectively in person. Employers are reported as getting more and more unsatisfied with the communication skills of fresh graduates due to this reason. They don't even know how to communicate in an interview. Why? Well, can we just do this interview over text? I'll be great. Students, unfortunately, usually use slang words or shortened forms of the words. They take out all the vowels and, and they have all this, this vernacular that they use. In fact, what's crazy is when my little niece, my young niece, it's not little anymore, but my young niece graduated from high school. At her high school graduation, a girl uh, put together like a video um, yearbook. And she put this video together of the year for the seniors, recalling significant moments. And as it started, it was like, LOL, oh, rolling on the floor laughing, you know. And then all these different things were popping up. And so people were like kind of laughing along going, oh, that's cute, that's kind of funny. But the whole video had nothing but text vernacular. And what was crazy was when they looked at her and said, why did you do that? She said, did what? You put all the text and captions that you had in there, it was all text. It wasn't actually full-length words and sentences. Nuh-uh. And she went back and looked at it and hadn't realized she did that. That means that girl spent way too much time doing this, right? <laughs> Crazy. Of course, it lowers grades because they're being distracted. When they're studying for tests, those who are allowing the distractions social media to come score 20% less than their uh, students that don't. Loss of motivation and, of course, time wastage. Time wastage is a huge one. While searching and studying online, students get distracted by social media sites because all of the notifications keep coming in. And we looked at that study uh, the, the first day, I think it was, or second day, where uh, Katie Couric and um, uh, the social guru Aoki, they were sitting there looking at that screen and they had to concentrate but when their phone went off it was distracting them well young people never turn those things off and they just they're distracted in fact i i finally said to my son tyler i said tyler Berdahl. now he was a he was already of age now he was 19 and i'm like son you have got to shut that thing off at least when you're sleeping he was laying there beside him in bed <laughs> I mean, just, I was like, how can you sleep? Oh, guess what? You can't! And then tomorrow you can't perform. Right? What if you're operating a vehicle? What if you're trying to study for a test? What if you're, you're, you're driving heavy equipment or a thousand other things and you're so exhausted you can't even focus? Man, it's like someone's behind all this. Six, social media's impact it has a deep impact on our mental health. Not only has social media been proven to cause unhappiness, but it can also lead to the development of mental health issues such as 
diagnosable anxiety and depression when used too much or without caution. It was reported from a survey of a thousand individuals that more than a third of Generation Z, now that's people that were born from the mid-90s to about mid-2000s, they shared that, listen, they were thinking of quitting social media for good. Ooh. Hey, here's some light bulbs going off, amen? They, and, and as 41% stated that social media platforms make them feel anxious, sad, or depressed. I don't care if the studies say this. When the kids are saying, when I'm on it, I feel sad or depressed, I don't need a stinking study. Amen? But the studies support it. Ben Jacobs, a, D, a DJ who has more than 5,000 followers on Twitter, he decided to go on hiatus from the platform and has found the, the break really beneficial. Here's what he said. Twitter did indeed make me feel anxious. From time to time, as it slowly dawned on me, I was concerning myself with the feelings of thousands of strangers I followed why they didn't necessarily know who I was. Since my Twitter hiatus, I have had a clearer head with plenty of time to devote to other things. Praise the Lord! That's amazing. This awakening, it's starting to happen, by the way, with people who are thinking... They're seeing the negative results in their own lives. Even celebrities are taking action. Uh, anybody ever heard of Simon Cowell? He's been in the news lately. If you go on BBC News, you can find this report. This was just this month. Here's what he says. Here's the title. Simon Cowell ditches phone for 10 months and counting. Simon Cowell has revealed, here's the article, that he hasn't used his mobile phone for 10 months saying the change was so good for what? His mental health. The media mogul told the Mail on Sunday he became irritated with how often he was using his phone. The 58-year-old said he has become way more focused and, look at this, aware of the people around me since giving up his device. But he said without his phone well, was, a, was strange. He said being without his phone was a strange experience, but has absolutely made me happier. I literally have not been on my phone for 10 months. He says, I literally have not been on my phone for 10 months. 10 months, Simon Cowell, who, who is a, a media mogul worth hundreds of millions of dollars, He's a celebrity and a TV and record producer. If he can live without his smartphone, then I probably can. You probably can. Is that the choice you need to make? Simon Cowell's making the choice. Maybe God will impress you to do the same. Maybe He'll just have you take a digital detox for a while. Right? Come off of it for just a while. Social media is sabotaging real-life communication. On a crisp Friday morning, last October, Sharon Celine engaged text messages with her daughter who was in college. They chatted back and forth, mom asking how are things going, and daughter answering with positive statements, followed by emoticons showing smile, big smiles and big hearts, happiness. Later that night, her daughter attempted suicide. What's going on? In the days that followed, it came to light that she had been holed up in her dorm room, crying and showing signs of depression. 
a completely different reality than the one that she was conveying in the texts on, and on her Facebook posts and her tweets. You see, as human beings, our only real method of connecting is to look into someone's eyes because then when they say, I'm fine, we can see it in the context the way I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm good. Everything's great. I'm fine. They mean entirely two different things. Yes or no? Absolutely. Because we're listening to the intonations. We're watching the facial expression. We're looking at the countenance. We're looking at their body language. And we have none of that in this lower form of communication. In fact, studies show that only 7% of communication is based on the written or verbal world, word, and a whopping 93% of communication is based on nonverbal body language. And this is what we're missing out on. This is why we're missing the cues. When my, I didn't even know my son was, was suicidal. I didn't know. What do you mean? I didn't even know my son was on drugs. Because when was the last time you looked at him in his eyes? Right? There's a devil behind this, my friends. We gotta, you know, social media, I don't, I don't want to say it's evil because it's not. It can be used for amazing good. But friends, if we're not careful, it could make Jesus' voice very far and very distant as we're distracted with the noise and the twinkling, shiny, sparkly things of the world. Am I right? Praise the Lord. So, unfortunately, this is where things start to get a little dicey. The questions we really need to ask ourselves are, is the focus now on communication quantity versus quality, or is it on superficiality versus authenticity? So what's happened is we have a lot more communication. We have a lot more quantity of, of social interaction, so we think. We have, we've actually come to believe, though, that this huge volume of superficial connections that we have on social media is that this is all there is in life socially. Now, we as digital immigrants, we know better, right? But the digital natives from, from Generation Z and younger, this has always been their life. So this is social life. No, friends, there's far more. Okay, guys, we're going to go over here and we're going to go to have a, uh, a wonderful lunch at, at Auntie's house. I don't want to go. What? Your aunt, your cousin, everybody's going to be there. You love hanging out with them. I don't want to go. Why? Because they feel very uncomfortable now in those social gatherings because their social is right here. And they don't have the skills anymore. How, and think about it, this just occurred to me. How is it that we are to witness to the world, to, to, to open the Word of God with them, and to have Bible studies with people, and lead them to the foot of the cross, to their Savior, where salvation is found? How are we going to have a face-to-face -face Bible study if I can't even say hi to you face-to-face? It's not going to be just left to the old people. We need to have a, a, a generation of young people who see it and say, I'm going to take control of this and no longer let it control me. And they can take their cue from us. Some of the older people. 
Because if it's controlling me, what chance do they have? They're only going to model what they see in their home, right? So it falls on me. And if I'm going to look in the mirror, I want to make changes in me, right? Because change starts with me, not with them. So, unfortunately, we're left with this idea that if this is what social life is now, it leaves a huge gaping hole. No wonder so many feel lonely. No wonder so many make some horrible decisions and take their own lives. Because here, think of this. If that person is attacking me on social media, and that happens, it's called cyberbullying. You've heard of it. It's been all over the news for the last two years. When that one starts to, to latch onto me, then all the other little social piranha come along and they all latch on me and they start to destroy me, right? Well, what happens is because as a digital native, that has, is my, my paradigm. That's what I believe. This is the only social thing I have access to. So the line between the virtual and the real becomes blurred. And now they can't even see that mom loves me and dad loves me and grandma loves me and I have value in Jesus Christ and Jesus loves me. No, it's this whole, the whole world, because that's the world to them. The whole world hates me. Might as well not even be living. And that's how it happens. So they are left feeling empty, saddened, depressed, and even worse, suicidal. So what we're all really craving is face-to-face, -face, legitimate, healthy, even sometimes awkward communion with each other. This is where, how we reinforce someone's value is in our families, in our communities, in our churches, and in the world. We need to come together. We need to press together, we're told. Because here is where we can find strength. You'll never find it on social media. So, some key indicators to be aware of. If you suspect that media, social media is chipping away at your emotional wellness, you're not alone. Psychologists, psychiatrists, and other healthcare professionals have seen a drastic uptake in patients who feel that they're being adversely affected by their online social activities. And here's what they say. Here's some indicators. If you have low or decreased self-esteem during or after using social media, you're going to have to really evaluate things or ask your your significant other or someone you trust to give you the true answer. Negatively comparing yourself to others via uh, their social media content. Repetitively focusing on your own shortcomings or distress while viewing others' social media feeds. That's a big one. Decrease in ability to concentrate. Frequently feeling envious of others while engaged in social media. Using social media as your prime leisure activity feeling disconnected from friends and family or not interacting with them in person as often as you normally would. So those are some key indicators to be aware of. Oh, we have a, we have a few more, excuse me. Increased or unusual social anxiety when interacting with people online. That'll actually even start. Feeling a need to share everything you're doing offline uh, on social media. Experiencing the negative emotional experience FOMO, fear of missing out, during or after viewing others' online activities. Consciously, consistently using social media as a distraction to avoid or suppress unpleasant emotions. Irregular or disordered sleeping patterns. Increased fatigue 
and or stress during or after using social media. So we need to really be honest with ourselves and evaluate, am I experiencing any, I went through those fast. I think they're videotaping this, I know they're online, and perhaps you can review it again. If, if they're not, I'll find out and let you know tomorrow. Uh, get on our mailing list and we will let you know when the new series, this whole series is ready. We're, we're, we're building it right now. In fact, it's becoming too long. So we're like, well, how do we shorten the thing? But we can have these to where you can look at those. But beyond this, here are some serious warning signs that social media is impacting you in ways that you need to change. Do you feel your social media use has become compulsive that you have to use it? That's a warning sign, a serious warning sign. Do you find it difficult to not engage in social media even when you don't really want to? Have you ever seen that in your life? I don't want people to raise hands right now because this is between you and your spouse or you and the Lord, right? To say, I'm having this problem. I don't even want to check it, but I feel like I have to. That's a problem. This is called addiction, by the way. Do you find your use or desire to use social media rapidly growing? Do you become angry, irritated, negatively emotional, or physically affected when you cut back or aren't engaging in social media platforms? I know people when if they cannot check their social media, I'll tell you what, I, I, I haven't done a scientific study, but I'll tell you what, on long flights when people cannot check in, I see people's irritability just going like this and like this, and the first thing we do as soon as we land, all the phones go on. Now all you hear is ding, 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 bum, ding, 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 and everybody's like, oh. And now it's an over-exaggeration, but you understand my point. Do you often find yourself preoccupied with social media? how you're going to use it, or what's going on in the different social media platforms that you use. If any of these resonate with you, a reevaluation of your social media use is in order. And I love you enough to tell you that. And while any formal diagnosis of addiction should be made by a professional, there are immediate and positive ways and steps that we can take to change our habits. Oh, by the way, here's the last one here. Are you neglecting other aspects of your life or have your on offline relationships with your family and friends been negatively affected by your social media use? My, I see it in my own family, my extended family. There's my little nephew and niece and they're going to my, to my older, my niece, they're my second ones, and they're, and they're mommy, 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 mommy. Hey, and we'll call her name and then she'll go, what? Your kids are calling you. Tune them out. When the virtual world takes over the real world, you've got a problem. So, what can we do about it? Well, first of all, the first step is recognizing I probably have a problem. Okay, you know that. If someone's struggling with alcohol, the first thing they need to do is to admit that they're struggling with alcohol, right? That's right. That's the first step to say, I am struggling. Hi, I'm Christian and I'm an alcoholic. That's what they have everybody say when they get up to speak at AA. Now, by the way, I'm a Christian and if I was an alcoholic before, Christ can totally deliver me. So I would never use the phrase, hi, I'm Christian. I'm an alcoholic. No. Hi, my name's Christian. I used to be an alcoholic, but Christ has delivered me. Right? Hi, I'm Christian. I used to be a social media addict. If God has delivered you, you can say that. Maybe you have to say, hi, 
I'm so-and-so, and I am an addict. Admit it. And then we move forward into recovery. So we got to recognize that excessive social media use is undermining our health and our, and our mental well-being. Reach out offline. Get offline and reach out. Substitute your social media time with face-to-face activities with family and friends who support and care about you. Does that make sense? It's a really fun and easy way to get offline. And, and don't take your phone with you. Leave it somewhere. Leave it in the car. Turn it off so you can't hear it ring. Just go reach out offline. Put down your phone and other devices when you are with others. Consider expanding your personal, uh, your, excuse me, consider expanding your in-person social circle to include people with similar interests. Tune up your mind. Tune up your body. Go walk with a, with a neighbor you haven't seen in 15 years, except for you think you know everything about them because that's what they post on Facebook. Why don't you go and talk and spend some time with them and find out what's really going on in their life? Right? Exactly. Tune up your mind and your body. Get moving towards something better when you feel a need to hit social media. All of a sudden you're like, ah, I want to... No. Distract yourself with something better because there's a lot more that's better. Find a new healthy hobby. Learn a new skill or language. How about getting some sleep? I just heard people go, oh, mm, that would be good. Why are we allowing ourselves to be disturbed even when we are in our rooms that, and we're trying to go to sleep? Do you know that it's one of the eight laws of health to get good sleep? You can eat as great as you want. You can drink the most pure water in the world. You can, you can be in the sunshine and you can be exercising and you can have all seven of the eight laws of health. And you could have poor sleep habits and you could be sick. Sleep is so vital. You know, when I first got here on Monday morning, when I started to speak to you in the afternoon, I was lagging because I, my plane didn't get in. I didn't get here until 4 a.m. And then I had to try to get some sleep. So I had three brain cells to try to communicate something to you, right? And so I've been working on my sleep. The problem is, when you get behind, it takes a while to catch back up. Guess what? I'm the Energizer Bunny again. Praise the Lord. <clears throat> Fresh fruits and vegetables really help with that, by the way. Chronic so There's the health reformer. Chronic social media use. Uh, excuse me. Chronic social media use wreaks havoc on the normal sleeping patterns, which is crucial for good mental health and, of course, good physical health. Leave your phone out of your bedroom. But I, I, I use that, you know, as my alarm clock. Yeah, let's go back to the analog alarm clock. Let's just, let's just put that little thing there. We used it for, you know, hundreds of years, right? I don't know, how, how did they exist 6,000 years previous to our smartphones? How were they able to wake up? You know what I'm saying. Before they used to wake up when the sun came up and went to bed when the sun went down. Then we introduced artificial light. And now we have all these things that keep us awake. And then we try to go to sleep. And some people take sleep aids. You know what? The best sleep aid you have is go to bed at a good time and get your tech out. Amen? Awesome. Leave your phone out of the bedroom. 
while it may be tempting to spend hours scrolling through social media right before you fall asleep, it's recommended that you charge your phone outside of your bedroom overnight. Even better yet, turn it off. But what if someone needs to get a hold of me? Okay, turn off all the notifications. I'm on the road full-time now with my wife, so the only way someone can get a hold of us is through our cellular phones. So I'll turn everything off that I possibly can, except for the phones, because I don't want the, all the notifications. The problem is you can't just turn everything off except for the phone, but you can get kind of close. So this is like sleep hygiene. Get that stuff out and allow wonderful sleep back into your life. Unplug and erase. Take some time away from the internet as a whole to remove the temptation of logging onto your favorite social media platforms. This makes it a little more difficult because it's another step and turning off all those notifications and turning off all the messages and all the calendars and all that kind of You've got to turn that stuff off sometimes. You know, when my wife and I were privileged to go on a cruise, my, my parents paid for the family to go onto a, a cruise ship. This was a number of years ago. And it was so awesome because there was no internet. Well, you could pay for it and it was very poor and I wasn't going to pay for it. I'm on vacation, man. And it was a blessing to sit out in the warm weather in the sun and drink cool water and splash in the, in the water. We went snorkeling and all kinds of stuff. I was like, man, this is where it's at. Not this all the time. Right? Set firm boundaries. You must engage on social media. If you must engage on social media, lay down clear limits in advance for how many times a day and for how long you will spend online. And tomorrow we're going to give you a, a handout, if we can get it printed, and I'm sure we can, we'll give you a handout that will give you some of these resources. There are resources and there are now new features in your phone, if you have an iOS device, that you can actually, it'll actually track and it'll lock you out of certain things for a certain while. You set the parameters, but even the tech companies are starting to come around to, yeah, we've really addicted a lot of people. We've got to start helping society again. And there are apps and there are different things that you can use uh, to, to take control of your online life again. <clears throat> so, here, I would, con I would encourage you to take the log out challenge. Just try this for one weekend. Tech-free for one weekend. Spend an entirely tech-free weekend shut off from the internet and tech. That means turn off everything that you can on your phone or it off. If you go camping, come on, you're not going to have cell signal. What do people do? They get a hold of you on Monday. Right? So let's try one weekend, no tech. In fact, by the way, this would be a perfect place because Jesus wants to talk to us like never before. This would be a great place to turn off our tech. Amen? Four of us. Amen. Okay, so no smartphone, no tablet, no Facebook, no computer. I couldn't do that. You're addicted. Evaluate yourself over the course of the weekend and, and make a mental note, though, of every time you find yourself fishing for that non-existent phone in your pocket as you feel those phantom buzzes. Oh, I, I don't even have... I, my phone just rang and I don't have it in my pocket. Your brain's going, you really need this thing. 
Why? Because I'm hooked on it and I need it. Be aware how many times you're like missing it. That should be like a red flag of like, you got to get a hold of this thing, right? Be aware and remember the times when you start developing an itch to go surfing or update your quitter. Quitter. <laughs> hey, I'm going to invent an app called Quitter. No. <laughs> Distract yourself with productive activities. In closing, I'm going to read, if I can get through it all, because i got four minutes and eight seconds. This is interesting. This is an article entitled, What I Gained by Losing My Smartphone. In the Huffington Post, a journalist wrote about her experience after losing her smartphone and having to use her old flip phone, her 2003 flip phone. Here are some of the insights she gained, and she published an article, and it's a good article. She figured out she increased her, a better sense of direction. Without that trusty tour guide, otherwise known as Google Maps, I had to get my bearings the old-fashioned way. After a couple of weeks, I realized I had memorized more streets, really, and could even read a map. Hmm, that's a lost art. Science seems to confirm it. My hippocampus was getting a CrossFit-style workout in memory and spatial orientation. It's the difference between being spoon-fed and learning how to hold the fork. Amen? Living the, the, uh, the living, breathing alternative to Siri. Still, I did get lost a lot. So I did what my smartphone had let me avoid. I asked people for directions. You might be surprised to hear that people give way better directions than Siri, particularly if you're more of a landmark-oriented type. Silent idle time. When I was playing Candy Crush, my brain was hard at work uh, organizing candy. Now, when I'm bored, my brain is actually hard at work preparing me for my next task. Neuroscientists laud the power of idle brain time to help organize and process information. Plus, boredom can encourage daydreaming and lead to creative thinking. Spend those spare five minutes in la-la land instead of trying to beat your high score. You could possibly, it could possibly lead you to your eureka moment. A filter for my own babbling. <laughs> this is true. Text can be super convenient and useful, but sometimes you're kind of like blah, blah, blah. Plenty of my daily text, tweets, and posts were, weren't that important. I find texting on a clunkier phone rather slow and annoying process that I'm only willing to complete when the topic is urgent, hilarious, or meaningful. Voila! Pure laziness, pure laziness trim the fat out of my day-to-day -day SMSing. Plus, instead of live-streaming my every thought, I'd wait for face-to-face -face communication. Old-fashioned FaceTime. Staring at screens constantly takes you away from people and gives you a passive outlet where you don't have to interact with the world. Like television, the light draws you in and numbs your senses, according to Gary Cooper, professor at Lancaster University in the United Kingdom. Without a smartphone to distract me, I snapped out of that digital hypnosis and started looking people in the eyes. Praise the Lord, right? This is because she lost her phone. She writes, Selfie connoisseurs, beware. All that Instagramming can actually hurt your real-life relationships. Smartphones make picture-taking super easy and convenient, but they also take you out of the moment. An excuse not to check the email. Our access to email often fuels our sense of urgency. We check our emails compulsively. 77% of emails sent to information workers were looked at within six seconds, according to a study at the University of California, Irvine. That's a lot of people on a lot of mental hamster wheels, taking too much need 
Taking a much-needed siesta from my digital mailbox was seriously relaxing. And she said she had a better chance at love, a full night's sleep, an old-fashioned planner she started to use instead of all the 10 productivity apps she was trying to juggle. And in conclusion, she says, of course, you don't need to lose your $300 investment, that's the phone, to apply what I've learned about living without a smartphone. Just keep in mind, your own you own your smartphone, and your smartphone doesn't own you. Here's a final thought, my friends. We just have to remember that the Internet is a means. It's not the end. It exists to facilitate life, not to become it. Amen? Put this away, tuck it away in your mind, and I pray that God will lead you in better decision-making. Let's have a quick prayer. Gracious Heavenly Father, Lord, we ask that you would guide and lead us as we make decisions on how to navigate this digital life. Help us to use it for your honor and glory. And Father, I pray you would help it to never be a distraction again from you. We pray this in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.